How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, with two-man coverage of the red and gold, this is the Locked On Chiefs Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Well, hello, Chiefs Kingdom. It is January 23rd. It's a Monday. And if nothing else happened on Sunday other than this, is to say that the offseason has officially begun we have a lot to talk about in terms of what's going on with the AFC playoffs, what's going on with the Chiefs, and what the start of this offseason brings. But before we get into all of that, a couple of things to cover. We are going to continue right through the rest of the season, going through all the aspects that we can cover. We're going to start this week, as, as we hinted last week, about going through the depth chart, seeing where players are at seeing where we feel positions are left, uh, some left wanting, some feel pretty stacked and ready to go for next season, uh, but there's going to be some changes, there's going to be some turnover, free agency is is looming out there a little bit. We're going to start talking about the draft and the lead up to it. Uh, Shrine game out of the way, Senior Bowl is coming up. Uh, we want to ask you to check out the Locked on Draft show. It's great, and those guys run scouting and have for years and can give you inside information about what they've seen on these guys that are going to come available, uh, both in the draft uh, as well as, as signing afterwards for the free agents. So give that a listen. Check out Locked on NFL with Matt Williamson. He's going to have plenty of breakdown getting ready to go into the Super Bowl. And I just want to say especially, uh, it's January 23rd. Happy birthday, Ma. I know you can hear this wherever you're at, so... Now, before we get into what's going on with the Chiefs, a couple of things around the AFC West. It, it is a division that is changing. Uh, we now have uh, a Los Angeles-based team, and we have a Las Vegas-based team. Uh, yeah, there's a final vote coming on that, um, but the relocation papers have been filed for the Raiders to move to Las Vegas. The My initial reaction is that both those towns present more of a distraction for when the Chiefs are traveling to them. Uh, but I think they both set up to be areas where the fan base is going to have to come around. They're not going to have that instant following, uh, specifically in the Chargers case. Uh, developing a home field advantage, I think, is going to be a long shot for the now Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, that'll r- remain to be seen, but travel itinerators change a little bit. Um, it's going to be something that the coaching staff for the visiting teams, for the Chiefs in particular, is going to have to keep a, a little bit better eye on. Um, pretty easy to get tempted and uh, get lost in what's going on in Vegas when you're there you know, for an away game. Uh, probably something where they're going to stay away from the stadium, try to keep their players uh, occupied uh, with things that are going on. Short trips, not much lead time, get in uh, maybe the night before and get rest and get into bed and, and get done. So... That's going to be interesting to see how that develops and what effect it has on the players themselves. One notable rumor that had come out uh, that has since been kind of shut down a little bit, but it still lingers out there because there are always options for players, is that Philip Rivers was so disappointed in having uh, the franchise move to Los Angeles that he was interested in seeking a trade. 
And at the time, I, th- I found it intriguing to see what he might look like throwing to somebody like Tyreek Hill. So uh, I put that out on Twitter, and, and a lot of you thought that would never happen. And, and in all honesty, I agree, but I think it might come down to a point that if he's so disgusted, you might see the end and, and maybe a premature retirement from Phillip Rivers, which, again, puts another whole twist on what's going on in the AFC West and, and how it's going to play out next season. So I think the focus for the Chiefs is to really try to keep the blinders on, keep focused on what they're doing, keep working on their roster. Uh, there are still a few other distractions that we're going to talk about in the coming week, including John Dorsey and what's going on in Green Bay now that they have been uh, ousted from the playoffs. Expect some of that talk to pick up this week as you guys are checking it out, and we'll definitely get back and keep an eye on it for you. But why don't we switch over and we'll start talking about the Chiefs themselves and what's going on. And let's get started. Travis Kelsey had an interesting Sunday, didn't he? He came out on national television and decided to double down on his rant about the holding call against Eric Fisher. Now, I'm all for, hey, let's let's back up our guy. He's our guy after all. So I gave Travis a lot of leeway for his comments after that ball game and feel like most people should do the same. You know, in the heat of the moment, Emotions are high. You have a lot invested. I mean, this is your career that you're invested in. So blowing off steam in the locker room afterwards, I give a lot of free reign to uh, take everything with a grain of salt. And as long as he's not, you know, running down his teammates, uh, maybe he stepped over the line with the referee. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. I think uh, some of those calls are questionable enough and, and Referees have to be held accountable as well. It's not just the players and the coaches. So, you know, I'll give him that too. But coming out on national TV on the Sunday following and saying, hey, I still stand by my statements, that might be a touch too far. You're going to get a lot of Chiefs Kingdom that feels like Travis is gone. Just the extra step in being disrespectful to the organization and the referees that represent the NFL itself. Now... You got to see where he's coming from, his point of view on the play. If James Harrison doesn't fall, doesn't lose his footing while that block is going on, I don't know that he beats Fisher around the edge enough to have that kind of closed line maneuver. I think definitely Fisher's hand stays on his chest. Maybe that's a non-call there. So maybe Travis has a point there that without that slip and him going to the ground, uh, maybe that is a play that doesn't get called. But you got to let that go. That's it's over with whether your point is correct or you have something that's valid in your argument. That's one thing. But as of right now, you got to take what you can take. You got to watch film. You got to watch these games and take what you can take away from them. There's a couple things that I want to talk about in a minute, but for the sake of this roster and the fact that he's one of the primary leaders on it, they have to find a way to put that in the rearview mirror Not forget about it, because it'll be fuel for motivation later. That's definitely something they want to hold on to. But they got to set it aside. They got to do a complete and thorough, and quite frankly, they got to do an honest self evaluation. Uh, The coaching staff on down, uh, players sticking their heads in the sand, saying it was a bad call and that cost us the game. That's that's not what cost you the game. You shouldn't have been in that position in the first place. So there are plenty of things out there that have to get done in order for you to make your offseason successful and actually grow from the experience that that call and that end to that game gave you. So for his sake, and for the sake of the rest of the roster, especially on offense, that looks to him to be that kind of catalyst, 
you got to hope that he can do that. And by the time they get around and a blowed off steam at the Pro Bowl and everything else, uh, hopefully he's ready to buckle back down, take another good look at himself, uh, and, and start working on his game. Because by no means is Travis Kelsey a perfect player. There's no such thing. Uh, he is approaching the top of the ranks in his position group across the league, and that's that's fair. He he has the ability to become the best tight end in the game, but he's got things that he's got to do, and he's got to stay focused in order to do them. And moving on from this particular incident is something that's got to happen. Now, what you saw on Sunday night, congrats to the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, they really left no question mark. I think Uh, whatever plays they gave up to the Green Bay Packers uh, were not anything that was threatening, was not anything that was uh, going to cost them in the end. They were in control that game from start to finish. And for the most part, you got to say the same thing about the New England Patriots. And here's the thing that I think Kansas City fans can take as a positive as they go on to watch the Super Bowl. That New England allowed the Patriots, allowed them to score points. You know, the Steelers were still the Steelers. They, they scored some points. The really interesting thing to me is that the Steelers still allowed wide receivers to run free. And I put it out on Twitter at the time, and, and I know some folks didn't uh, really care for what I was intimating at. And I'm not really saying one way or the other on the quarterback situation, but here's the thing. The difference between what happened with the Kansas City Chiefs against the Pittsburgh Steelers and, the, and what happened with the New England Patriots against the Pittsburgh Steelers is that the offense, and in particular the quarterback, was able to take advantage of the mistakes that the Pittsburgh secondary made. When receivers were left open, Tom Brady hit them, made them pay, made the scoring plays to make them pay. Not something that Alex Smith was able to do. And this is where the debate's going to come, and I know a lot of you are going to say, hey, you can't blame it all on the quarterback, or the other one's going to say, hey, the quarterback's got to go, it's, it's time for 11 to get out of here. Neither is the case. Andy Reid calls the plays. A lot of times he calls single or double reads at the maximum and doesn't allow Alex Smith to go and be able to choose or wait or allow something to develop like that with an open receiver like that. The other thing is Tom Brady has better protection than Alex Smith does. Yes, the offensive line for the Kansas City Chiefs has improved over the season. No doubt about it. And I'll be the first one to defend any of them, even Zach Fulton, in that Zach Fulton put in a solid season. He's an average NFL football player. Uh, and that's something I'm sure Chris and I will argue about tomorrow when we start to go over the actual depth charts. But by and large, the guard Tooney is impressive. If you go back and look at my pre-draft stuff from last season, he's one of the elite athletes coming out of the offensive line in last year's draft class. And on top of it, he has a playing demeanor that was nasty in college Maybe not quite so in the pros because he's still, you know, he's up against a whole other level of competition, but he still shows that he's got that snap uh, and he's able to have some dominant plays as well as some that he's going to get beat on. But overall, the guard play for the New England Patriots is above where the Kansas City Chiefs guards are. And that's just a simple fact. How it's addressed or if it's addressed by the Kansas City leadership is going to be the next question. Uh, As we get into looking at these holes that we're going to talk about this week and and how to prioritize those. That's going to become fairly evident. And Chris and I won't agree exactly on how to go about it, but I think you guys are going to enjoy uh, what we see are the differences. This ball game, when you look at what the New England defense did to Pittsburgh, 
there are some drastic differences that I've alluded to over the week, and it came out, and they did the same kind of thing, particularly with their use of a five-man front. What Belichick and Patricia were able to do in getting the Steelers' offensive line out of what their game plan was by reducing their ability to double-team linemen and get guys one-on-one with linebackers, especially the Chiefs linebackers that are already playing at a deficit. By using those five-man fronts and getting one-on-ones, or if they were going to double or triple team, somebody's going to be the guy in the middle. If you put that on Poe and you have one-on-one on the outside, single-on-single, then you're in good shape. Those linebackers have a much easier time getting to the ball and making plays. And that's something that Bob Sutton just wasn't very willing to do. When he did, it was effectual, and he was able to stop the run much better. Uh, that's something that is another reason, like we talked last week, that uh, Sutton's tendencies and his lack of changing his plan on the go, making halftime adjustments, or even earlier, as he should have in this case, uh, is one of the downfalls of what this coaching staff is. Bob Sutton's a very good coordinator. He's not elite by any means. Uh, there are a couple of guys that are better than him, and one is even still available. We'll talk about that again some other time. Uh, Looks like Gus Bradley did get himself a job, so he is off the market. But the Chiefs have the personnel, especially along the defensive line, that they're able to do that, and they can run some five-man front. They can vary it. They can run three-man rushes. They can even go down to two linemen and really play with it. But the difference is is they have to be able to willing, be willing and able to do it. And that starts with the coaching staff. The cards was starts with Bob calling an aggressive plan schematically, not just, oh, I need to get pressure and I'm going to bring in a safety or I'm going to do something exotic with bringing in extra players, but changing the front, changing the fundamental defense that causes the offensive line to have to adjust what it's doing. That's something that Bob Sutton doesn't do enough of and likes to stay in his base defense and constrains what the defense is able to do. And once you get them running downhill on you like that, it makes it even harder to make an adjustment that actually is productive. So that's something that they have to change going forward. Whether it's Bob Sutton learning a new trick, the guy's an old dog, I'm just saying, or somebody new coming in. I don't see that happening, but if it were, um, there could be some change that could actually make this defense, which is very, very good, uh, more solid, more fundamentally sound, and make them more able to compete with teams like the New England Patriots. I won't call them elite until they get there, but more aggression, more willingness to adapt out of this defense is something that could get them there. Because at the end of the day, this defense is not very far off from being in that class. If the offense can get short up, that will give you what you need, a little more talent, a little more uh, aggression that you can get on offense can make up for sometimes conservative play calling on Andy Reid's part, uh, locking down the offensive game plan and the offensive reads uh, that Reid has done from time to time. I think that needs to be opened up, and, and more aggression, more talent can do that as well. So this draft's going to be particularly uh, helpful on the offensive side. But here's the thing that it comes down to, and this is what I saw when the Chiefs were on the field with the Steelers versus when the Steelers were on the field with the Patriots. And that is the Patriots had a swagger in Arrowhead. They had a confidence 
and again, an aggression, an intimidation factor that I don't think the Chiefs' young roster was quite ready for, particularly on offense. The veterans that you have on defense that have played to that level, I don't think they were phased by it. And by and large, the defense did its job. It gave up a ton of yards, but they kept them without a touchdown, and that should have gotten you a win. But I think the offense needs more attitude. It needs more nasty. When we're talking about upgrading linemen in particular, it needs nasty. You look at the Raiders offensive line. You look at the Pittsburgh offensive line. Those guys are more ferocious than what you see in Kansas City. And maybe that's just the personality that Andy Reid likes or that John Dorsey likes. But what they need is somebody that can push that envelope and make the defense prepare for a more physical, a more grinding, a more aggressive game. Uh, And that really is the edge. I think the mentality of the team has to change and has to evolve over this offseason. And maybe a bitter disappointment is just the key to get that going. We'll have to see how that goes. Now, we'll be back with you tomorrow. Chris is going to be back. We're going to go through positions. We'll start. We'll flip a coin. Chris will just decide what we're going to talk about. But thank you guys for listening today. We have a ton of stuff. We're still going to check in with the rest of our usual suspects as far as our guests go. And we'll have plenty for you. So thanks for listening today. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Chiefs podcast. While you're out there, give us a rating or review and reach out to us on Twitter at Ryan Tracy NFL and at Chris Clark NFL. We'll talk to you next time. fashion hotline hi my family's going to a tailgate and i want our style to stand out from the crowd just go to old navy old navy yep old navy's got all the latest fall styles plus during old navy's colossal sale you'll save up to 50 percent off store-wide did you say up to 50 percent off i did so don't sit on the sidelines old navy has the perfect pants from 19 bucks stylish dresses from 15 bucks and comfy tees for the family from just six bucks right now at old navy and old navy.com we're cheering for old navy high fashion old navy valid 10 2 to 10 10 select styles only